Hello, I'm Luke and you are listening to the Stress Sessions podcast. You're listening to episode 5 of series 4. So if you've jumped to this one for any reason, you've got a lot to listen back to. I hope you're having a good week. I am sitting here on a Sunday evening recording this intro after editing the last episode of the Stress Sessions and it's an absolute cracker this one. But first, I'm going to talk about my week, which I think has been pretty good in terms of getting stuff done and just accomplishing shit so I mean I've I've said on the podcast before that it's it's the small little targets each day that really really matter that then develop into kind of bigger goals and I think when you suffer with a mental illness you've got to have those day-to-day goals of setting yourself a really simple task to do and completing it so for me today for instance we bought a we recently bought a ring doorbell which we've been meaning to get for ages because we've just got one of those old school doorbells at the minute on our house we moved into it last year no the year before last and we just had the doorbell that came with the house basically and I was like oh we need to get we, we need to get a proper ring doorbell like it's just more secure like more safe blah, blah, and all that so I bought one the other day and I it's, it's one of those ones that you have to wire in yourself and I was like oh how am I going to do this Usually I'd ring up the father-in-law, message the father-in-law and be like, oh, can you give us a hand? But I got up today, widened the doorbell, it all worked. I connected it to my phone so you can see the street now, which is, yeah, safe house and all of that. But the moral to the story is just do something little and achievable that's going to make you feel happy each and every day. Because I did that today and it did make, make me feel a little bit better after a pretty tough week to be honest where I had to set my own boundaries which I find difficult even though I've spoken about boundaries on this podcast before Uh, I did a whole episode about boundaries with my wife which is a couple episodes back but yeah if if you're anything like me you'll find uh, a lot of people will find boundary setting pretty hard so that was um, all good fun but enough about my week This week on the Stress Sessions, I am speaking to... I I say this about a lot of guests. I think he is my favourite guest so far. No offence to any of my other guests, but he is an absolute pleasure to speak to. He speaks for a living, so I guess that's why he was so good at it. But honestly, I got a lot out of this podcast, and I think you will do too. He has gone through a lot of life experiences, and he's currently one of the KISS FM presenters and yeah without further ado i'll just introduce him it's tyler west welcome to the stress sessions tyler west thank you so much for coming on it's a pleasure man thank you for having me it's it's amazing because you're sitting in the kiss studio now like it's this is this is a surreal experience it's a surreal experience but you know i'm looking around and i'm like just trying to make sure that none of the faders are up <laughs> just in case before you know what you start going out there i've literally just finished my show so um yeah it's, it's wild but thank you so much for having me on um we've been trying to get this in for a minute now um but my schedule has been a bit all over the place um so yeah but now we're here man we're here we're here and you've, you've just come back off holiday you're still technically live on air so yeah yeah, yeah thank yeah. you so much for making the time to to come on Absolutely, man. Um, so me, yeah, I've literally just got back day before yesterday. So this has been a pretty sort of like, you know, when you're like, all oh, right, yeah, when I get back off holiday, I'm just going to slowly ease into it. And actually, it's like, I should have just never took the holiday. I should have just carried on, sorted my emails and continued through. But it's it, it's good. And it's good to be chatting to you today. I'm excited about this, man. So how was your holiday? I haven't had a holiday in such a long time. So when it when it came around, I was like, oh, yeah, I really, really need to book some time off. I need to book some space. All I care about when it comes to holidays is going somewhere hot um, and also that somewhere that has a decent rum um, and somewhere that I could just put my feet up and relax, right? So I thought, where else to go than West Africa? 30 degrees, 35 degrees every day. I was like, yeah, it's beautiful. It looks amazing in the pictures. I've never been there before. Um, so I went over to the Gambia, um, which is kind of like in the middle of, of Senegal. It's, it's a beautiful country. Um, and whilst I was over there, yeah, I caught a lot of sun and yeah, I was able to put my feet up, which I think is, is so, so vital because sometimes, which I'm sure we'll touch more on, um, that you get caught up in this um, cycle of just like, like, like a workhorse. You just keep going and going and going and not knowing when to take a, a come up for air or take time off. 
um, but also what the trip did for me. And it's the first ever trip that I've ever done because I've never really traveled that much. It's the first trip that I've done that was a bit more cultural. And I was able to go out into the villages um, and see how they sort of have their way of life. Um, and we visited a couple of the schools. Um, and one school we went to in particular um, in Wollongong Village is um, it, it was just a different level and it makes you practice gratitude on another level, man. Like I, like, I was playing football with these kids and they were just so happy and beaming with hope. But then you look around and it's like they didn't have clean water. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have shoes on their feet. They didn't have food in their belly. They didn't have any resources. They had like two um, chairs and that was the goalposts. Um, and it's like there's like 1,500 students at this school and like 20 staff members that are just like overworked and under-resourced sort of thing. Um, so it was a bit of a cultural trip and then coming off the back of it as well. I mean, I've had these plans for, for a very long time, but I never really found that spark um, to create a, a charity foundation to help children and, and schools abroad in these struggling countries. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. I'm currently uh, raising funds. I mean, two days back in. It's like, back to work here at KISS, talking on the radio, here on the podcast, talking to you, starting up a charity. Like, there was no no rest for the wicked, innit? So um, that that was the part of the trip that's that's made me come back with a completely different mindset. Um, and it's like I've kept in touch with a lot of them over there. We're, we're currently working at getting electric run into the school. So it was uh, like on my socials, like I, I posted a lot about it and I'm, I've shared the, the GoFundMe links over there and stuff as we set up the charity. But it, it really was an eye opener, man. That's amazing, man. Like, I, I didn't know that. What's, what's your charity name? So you can give it a little plug on it. So it's the, it's going to be called the Social Fund Foundation. Um, but over on my Instagram right now, at Tyler West, um, you can go over. There's a GoFundMe link in my bio. There's a little bit about the kids. Um, and there's a couple of posters where I did like a little video journal um, slash vlog, uh, like walking around. So you can actually see. I, I know like the world's in a bit of a mad place at the moment. And I know that everybody, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people that um, need help. And it, and it just makes you feel like like if you want to be charitable, if you want to give a pound, five pound, ten pound, whatever it is, that money goes a long place, like like really, really far in those countries that are struggling with it. So the more the merrier. And even if it's just a share, a like, a comment or supporting and following the progress of it all, I'm going to be heading up back out there, I think later on in the year. So I'm excited about it, man. It just gave me like a little bit of a new purpose, you know? So the first question I ask every single guest that comes onto this podcast is what is one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? And that's, is that going to be off you? Because you're a DJ. You must have heard all kinds of music. Of course, man. Like, I, like music's like my life, and and it's just the key to my heart. But I mean, it's the most <laughs> it's the most difficult question because it's like asking, oh yeah, what's your favourite song, Ty? And I'm like, well, where do I start? Um, and also off brand because I know I'm at Kiss right now, but I can't say anything. You know, I, I love um, you know I love Ed Sheeran. Yeah, great. Uh, but also, <laughs> I think like the one tune really that uh, one tune that always uplifts me. Right, um, it's by a guy called Kirk Franklin. And it's called Looking For You. So it goes, I've been looking for you. And it's just, mate, if you haven't heard it, honestly, have it on when you wake up in the morning. Set it as your alarm clock. When you feel like you're in the gym, put it on. It's just like that positive vibes. Either that or maybe like like Luther Vandross, Never Too Much or something. Something like that. Something Either Luther Vandross, Never Too Much or over to Kirk Franklin, Looking For You. It is just, yeah, it's an anthem, man. So something like just really peaceful, uplifting and start pushing mm-hmm. a really like positive mood, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I've, I'm always somebody that's smiling. And if, if a bit of music can make me do that, I'm just going to play. I'm going to have it on repeat. I don't care. I'll have it on repeat the whole gym session. I'm all good. <laughs> but for the, for the podcast, Ed Sheeran, definitely Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ed Sheeran's okay, but like, so I've, I've got a bit of a story about cheering. So I went to Hackney Weekend like 10 years ago, whatever it was, right. um, part of Radio 1. And I, <laughs> I stayed on the, me and my wife, now wife stayed on the front row through Ed Sheeran's set, who we didn't yeah. like, just to see um, Jay-Z and Kanye <laughs> on the front row. <laughs> and we, we literally sat through, I think it was Ed Sheeran, uh, Kasabian, who like we both like. And if, if yeah. somebody, oh, and Nicki Minaj, I was like, meh. Ah, I love the honesty. It's like, you know, three of the biggest worldwide artists. Yeah, I don't really like these. Hurry up, quick, hurry up. Jay-Z and Kanye, woo! Yeah. 
but it's, it, it's my favorite favorite gig ever so i was like i'm yeah. so like happy we did it but we were like yeah. oh it, absolutely buzzing so that's yeah i don't know Ed, what my, if you're listening to this podcast mate um <laughs> you're great you're excellent and and honestly luke really wants you to come on the next step mate thank you <laughs> i mean if, oh, that'd be amazing but yeah. <laughs> would it but no, would no, it I, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I don't really like your music, mate, but. <laughs> what a great opening line there, Luke. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. <laughs> You've got to be honest, haven't you? You've got to be honest. Yeah. I think it was when you was working for MTV, you did a little video about mental health back in, I think it was ooh, maybe like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned in that that you started having depression at the age of, age of 14, which is quite a young age, yeah. Um, yeah. but probably something that's, more common in kind of like youngsters as what people think it is. But can, yeah. can you talk me through that? Yeah, I think also at that age, like it's important to notice that's like where mental health wasn't something that's always been spoken about. Like you can't quite process those emotions at such a young age. So you don't really know what's going on. And that was the case for me, man. Um, but no, definitely from from like the age of 14, like I never used to be, if you, if you had told me as a kid, like, I never knew what I wanted to be when I was older. I was like, oh, I just wanted to follow my brother's footsteps. I wanted to play football. I wanted to do basketball. I wanted to be a physiotherapist or like just whatever he said I would do. Um, I really liked movies. I wanted to be a director. Um, but I really, yeah, as a kid, I was just like, I wasn't your normal kid. I was, I was a real big introvert. I was like, and I still sort of am to like, I appreciate my own company in that nowadays, but I was a bit of an introvert and I, I never would go out. I would never... Um, like all the kids would be out on the street, like bombing everyone. Like we lived on a council estate, so everybody would be like out on their scooters, playing on bikes and down the park and in the cage playing football and stuff. Whereas I would just be like running home, finished all my homework at school because I was just like, yeah, I need to get it done because I want to get back this evening and I want to watch movies. And I would watch Indiana Jones with like a cup of tea and biscuits. I was like some little old man. Um, but I was a real big introvert growing up. And my brother was always the confident one. And then if you'd have told me at that age, oh, yeah, you're going to be talking to millions of people and have your own show on the radio and your own show on telly and you're going to be doing presenting and traveling here and traveling there, I'd have said, yeah, whatever. Like, it was, it was never the case. Um, but I think, like, every sort of journey has its story where it began. And for me, at the age of 14, my mental health was, was yeah, it was the switching point, man. It was the trigger. I, um, I witnessed a, a murder at a very young age um, outside my house. And so I, I was at 14 and I was coming back from a dance session. I used to do street dance, trying to get like my confidence up and stuff at school. I was coming back, it was about nine o'clock at night and I witnessed um, this horrific uh, knife crime going outside my house. Um, and that for me was the biggest trigger point. Like f- from that point onwards, it, it kind of went in like a downhill spiral. I was petrified. I was petrified of my area I was petrified of knives in general. I was petrified of um, looking out my window. I, w- I witnessed it all from my bedroom window. So then once my blinds were closed, for two years they didn't open. Like it was it was, it was, was terrifying. I didn't walk on that side of the street. Um, barely left. I didn't leave the house and I, didn't, I, I fell out of school and just in the point where I was about to start my GCSEs as well. So it was quite a pivotal moment. Um, but I just wouldn't come out of my bedroom, man. It just, I, I kind of fell into this hole and at that age as well, um, it was a bit difficult. Like my mum, bless her, she's done the best job ever. She brought me and my brother up um, and done really well in making us sort of respectable gentlemen and stuff like that nowadays. But at that time, me and her both witnessed it and went through it together. So it was difficult. I couldn't lean on her for as, as that much. And I didn't trust anybody else. And my way of dealing with it back then was probably one of my biggest lessons in my life. And it was like, I suppressed it. And I just was like, no, I'm just going to get on with it. And, I, and like what my version of getting on with it was staying in my bedroom. It was just closing out the world, blocking everything out, not dealing with my emotions. And that is one of my biggest flaws today is that like I struggle to deal with my emotions sometimes. Like I hold on a little bit too long. I, I don't really know how to process things. If I fall into a, a bit of a hole, it's a, it's, I've, I've learned techniques and that to get out and I've got my coping mechanisms, but it is, it is very, very difficult. So for about two years, I, was, um, I got referred to, to counselling through the NHS um, and that didn't work for me. That wasn't like me talking to a stranger that I didn't know. I didn't trust anybody. Um, I had real big attachment issues and stuff like that. And also what, what the murder did is that I pieced together this idea that somebody can be in your life one minute and then just completely gone the next. So I was petrified of like anybody mixing alcohol and getting drunk. I was petrified of seeing an argument erupt on the streets. 
Um, and also because I was a 14-year-old boy, I was like quite small, quite... Like I was, I was short and fat and then I went tall and skinny and I was like, I, I just felt a bit vulnerable. Um, but I slowly got back into to education and uh, like I started going back to school and it was like 2010 when the murder happened. That was like the worst year of my life because within the space of that year there, there was uh, the murder, there was my granddad passed away and then on top of that, I think um, um, my mum and my stepdad um, got a divorce, they broke up. So it was like, it was quite a traumatic thing in terms of my attachment issues. Um, and then that was like really the starting point. There came a point for me when I was like 16 and that all, it just, it all changed. Like I, I can't describe like They were like the worst two years ever. And then it just came this changing point, man. But so what was that changing point? What sort of switch that made you sort of like, cause that's, that's a horrible experience, man. That mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I've witnessed a death before, but it wasn't a murder. It was somebody literally, I was on holiday. Um, it was only a couple of years ago, actually. I was in, um, Corfu and yeah. a lady got stung by a wasp around the pool and she basically she passed out on us. Yeah, yeah. And nobody had um like a what a shot thing. Epi pen, yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody ran off to get one. She she was dead by the time somebody came back and she was like, Yeah, it was horrible. It's horrible to witness, but I can't imagine what it'd be like as a as mm. a teenager or just witnessing a murder, like at any point in your life is gonna be horrible. Mm. But what what was that changing point that, that you had? Do you know what? As cliche as it is, it's like it's some of my biggest tips that I have today and it's only because it helped me when I was like 14. So if I'm now, I'm 25 now. So it's like just over 10 years on and like this advice still helps me today. And it's like, it was it was just a flip of the switch. I woke up one morning at home and I was still in the bedroom. I was still like within the blinds and everything like that. And my mum was doing everything to get us moved out of our council house to another one and stuff like that. But there was a lot of complications with that. It finally happened. But I just woke up out of my bed and I was like, you know what, I need to I need to get back up on track because I can either let this situation, it's like a make or break, right? You can either sit there and continue down this dark path that you're on and just and, and dwell in it, or you can take the right steps to sort of counterbalance it and, and, and get yourself out of that situation. Now, doing things like, you know when people say like when you're in a dark place and they're like, all right, well, why don't you go, why don't you go try, go for a walk? Why don't you go try this and try that? Like that stuff there. I think it's bullshit, right? Because sometimes when you do that stuff, you you feel like you're still in that dark place, but you're just like, all right, now I'm on a walk, but I'm in that dark place. But then actually the point that that becomes truth and, that, and it becomes powerful is that you keep doing it enough. It's like I always say, if you wait at a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut, all right? So if you, if you continue doing those things, if you continue like trying different mechanisms and trying things that do work, and if you, even if you get like a little percentage that makes you feel a little bit more positive then you're doing the right things. You're on the right step. Now, for me, it was like, I was like, yeah, cool. I'm going to get out of the bedroom. I'm going to go back to school. I started going back to school. I finished up my GCSEs, which was great. Um, And then whilst, and I started playing this new sport at school called handball. Um, And then it gave me confidence. It was like, I was quite, I was really into basketball, like throughout my whole school journey. And then they were like, oh yeah, we want you to come try handball. I started playing that. And then I got into the South England squad. And I was like, wicked, this is 16, it's giving me a new purpose and things like that. And then I got into the England squad after that. So then I'm at school doing that, playing handball, studying and that. And then um, CVBC came in to uh, watch one of our like sessions and teach kids about this new sport, handball. And I did like a 30 second, like, oh, this is handball. Welcome. My name's Tyler and stuff like that on camera. And they were like, oh, you're really good at this. You know, you should maybe consider like presenting. And I was like, what? No, never. Like I was, it was not me, you know, not, like the shyest kid ever. And then um, they, I went down to BBC, did a little taster tape. And before you know it, I was like a guest presenter on the show. And then I did this one episode for them where I went and learned trampolining for some, for, from some GB trampolinists. Um, and then I was like, mum, you can leave your job. Hollywood's calling. I was like, I made it. This is it. We're done. <laughs> and then I never heard from them ever again. And, and that was it. So that was my oh. first little taste into the work that I do now. But it made me realize that no matter where you start, it doesn't determine where you where you then end up. And the only way that you get to any to any office is opportunity, man. Uh, yeah, I think and for you to go from like that position of witnessing the moment at the age of 14 mm. and then... So again, like I, I did my research online, and you hosted a live show in front of twenty thousand people at the age of eighteen. Mad, that is mad. Like to go from a guy that's kind of locked in his room for two years, from fourteen to sixteen, and then two years on, you're doing that. Like you must you have know, been you, your your coping mechanism must have been amazing. 
Mate, they weren't. And it's like, well, it's one people often call it nowadays like fake it till you make it and just put it on a brave face and things like that. And I, I call it firming it, right? Because there's some uh, situations that come up, even in my career now today, like I'm still, I have the, the worst anxiety. I've, I, I, I constantly critique myself. I constantly also sit there with, um, I sometimes feel like, oh, is it imposter syndrome? Is this actually what I'm doing? And then there's some days that I come in and I'm like, yeah, cool. Did well with that type. Well done. Don't be so hard on yourself. So it's like, I struggle to find that balance sometimes. But that, that job in, in particular, it was my first ever presenting gig live on stage. And I got told that I was just doing the backstage interviews. And then I get there and then they hand me the script on the day and they're like, yeah, cool. So, and it says Tyler, um, Chris and Wes walk out onto stage. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, you guys, this is a miscommunication. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And then I went on stage um, in front of all those people. I was at the SSC arena and I got everything wrong. Like, I messed up names. I introduced the wrong people. I, I made myself look like an absolute tip. But also at the same time, it was the biggest sort of like jump in the deep end I've got this under my belt. Now, where do we go from here? And it was just, honestly, it was just one thing after the other. I then got a show on CBBC, which was great. Um, I then, because obviously I deferred my uni offer um, and because I was going to go study television at uni. But then I just decided, like, I was working at McDonald's at the time and I was like, you know what, let me just try breaking to telly. So I was doing, like, as many hours as I can to make way and, and help mum out at home like, doing McDonald's and just making making money for myself. But then also on the weekend, trying to get, into telly which was the mad it seemed like the maddest goal but then it balanced itself out and now i'm here talking to you from the kiss studios man it's mad that's it's such a cool story though like it's <laughs> it's cool isn't it like how you you mentioned you still have anxiety now like what what sort of stuff that bring that brings on that anxiety on a day-to-day basis no people people say to me like oh are you ever nervous when you go on camera or are you ever nervous when you you put the mic up and like i am and then when I'm doing it, it's like you, the only way that I can describe it, it's like a, it's like a plane on takeoff. It's like on, you're nervous, you're nervous, you're nervous. But when you're up in the air and then you relax, you're flying. And then when it comes down for landing, it's still a little bit nervous. And then you're like, oh, w- was that good? Was that okay? Are we okay? And it's that constant checking. And so the anxiety for me goes, I always really sort of, I try to block out what other people think, but you've got to remember that my job in, in particular, it's like a lot of it is on other people's opinions. A lot of it is on, did oh, do they like me? Do the listeners like me? Do that? Does that person that owns that TV channel? Do they like me? Oh, did I get the job? Did I get the audition? And it's like it's that constant sort of chasing feeling. But then what I've then learnt more recently is to just believe in myself and my morals because the only thing that makes me sort of me is me. Like it's 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 the easiest sort of definition of it is that like nobody like there's there might be another presenter over there that called Tyler who's who's mixed race six foot tall and everything like that. But this is still like I'm still myself. Um, so that one thing reassures me, but also it makes my anxiety goes through the roof, man. It makes me question so much. Um, so yeah, it ain't, it ain't easy, but I'm still learning. And, and I think I'd be naive to say that, you know, that I haven't still got a, a, a long way to go, um, in terms of overcoming some of those things. And it still does, like people often go to me when I t- tell them that story about the murder and the, the journey I've come on and stuff. It, it wasn't an overnight thing. Like flipping the switch for me was because then... I, I like two, it came up to two years. I was 16. And I was like, you know what? Let me get out. Let me get back into school. Let me try this. Um, and it was like step by step from there. One day a week at school, two days a week, three days a week, back up to five. And then it, it's just like, you know, one step in front of the other. Um, and when I tell them that story about that, they're like, oh, well, does that not still haunt you? And I'm like, every single day, like all of my past experiences, I live with every single day. And it never becomes easier. The, the, the more I tell that story, the the more that it like pops up in my mind, I can still see it as if it happened yesterday. It doesn't become easier, but it just becomes easier to sort of live with. Like you put it at the back of your mind and you carry it, but you don't you don't give it that energy. So that's where I'm at. And with with kind of like post traumatic stress disorder, I think with it, those sort of incidents, you have to have that support from your friends and family. Was was that something that you had at the time, and and did that help you during that sort of like horrible time of those like a couple of years do you know what i did and i didn't um my mom and my brother yeah like we're close as ever like they, they were they were supportive to me um i had a couple of best friends but my circle has always been really small um because of my i've always had attachment issues i've always believed that anybody that gets close to me you know if i trust them and i put all my eggs in one basket they're just gonna up and leave suddenly like and that comes from like losing people to um people just walking out of my life or you know it's just it's just different various things throughout childhood but um 
one of the things that you've got to kind of train yourself to do, and I don't know how I did it at that age anyway, it was like sort of train yourself to be there for yourself. Um, and it's something that I now forget nowadays of like, I feel like if you've got yourself, then it doesn't matter what the external circumstances are. It doesn't matter if your job goes to shit. It doesn't matter if um, your friends like oh, have a disagreement with you and walk off and everything like that. If you can still sort of bring yourself, if you, if you can lean on yourself just that little bit and you've still got yourself when you're at ground zero, everything will be okay. And it's just, you've got to tell yourself that. You've got to manifest it. Everything will be all right. No, it's fine. Like I'm still walking. I'm still breathing. Like, every, like the world's not ending. I always say to when people are upset, I say, look, look out the window. Is the world ending? No, like you're, you're okay. Do you know what I mean? That's sort of my, yeah, I, I, I've got the same sort of thing. So like, it's only been the last couple of years and I've had anxiety and depression for what, like, I don't know, years and years now. I, I always say about seven or eight years, but it's probably longer than that. Yeah, but exactly. over the years I've learned to cope with it. And my thing is, and again, it, it doesn't apply in your situation, but it's like, I always go, has anybody passed away? Like, has anything that bad happened? Because that's literally the worst mm-hmm. thing that you can, Gabe, and whenever it's like me and my wife say it to each other and we're like has anybody passed away no okay right we can carry on it's gonna be okay like we're gonna yeah. get through this it's, it's all good yeah and there's different ways to handle even like grief and stuff like that there's different like you do end up being okay but you've got to take that time to feel the emotion let it pass and um there was a quote that who, who said it i think it was just like sort of one of those um videos that got sent to me from like facebook or something and it was like this guy saying like when you hold a glass of water like it's not heavy, right? It's just it's just you like me holding this glass right now. It's not heavy. If I hold this glass for an hour, my hand might start to ache a little bit. If I hold it for like a whole day, my arm's going to start to like go numb and and like have pins and needles and things like that. And it's like the longer that you hold on to it, the more effect and energy that it can it can cause in your life to sort of sit there and dwell in it. So so all of a sudden this 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 little glass of water, which isn't it's it's not heavy at all, then becomes this really heavy problem in your life, and that's not to say when something really significantly bad happens in your life that you can't grieve or like can't go through the emotions, but it's like knowing when's the right shut off point so that to go like, all right, okay, cool. Because the one thing that I learned the real harsh way as well, and this is something I've learned throughout COVID recently is something I've learned throughout um, experiencing grief. Like I was on air when, when my granddad passed, when uh, my granddad on my dad's side, when he passed away, I was, I see the phone buzzing off. I know he was in the hospital ill. They were trying to tell me saying like, look, he's passed away. And I see the phone buzzing off. This is during COVID. And I was actually covering his breakfast at the times. And I had the mics live and I see my phone vibrating. And I was like, I was doing a cash read, like saying, oh, you can win 60,000 pounds here on Kiss. And actually I was like, inside, I was like crying my eyes out. I was like, as soon as the mic's gone down, I just bawled my eyes out, jumped on the phone to my dad. And I was like, I knew what it was, but what that taught me is that, you know, the world doesn't sit still just because you're in your problem. So when I look back at my two years that I spent in my bedroom, I was like, man, you could have had so many experiences. You could have done this, you could have done that. And that scares me, that, but that also motivates me. So I feel like you've got to keep going. Even if, like, I mean, so now, <laughs> so if you catch me out on the streets and I'm going through something quite traumatic and I'm crying, I'm still moving, I'm still walking to work. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I'm, still, I'm still trying to, to power through. And I think that's where you get your true grit and strength. Like, I think that's where it develops. And that kind of goes back to the whole, like, your coping mechanism thing of if, if something's not working and you don't persist in doing it, it you might not know if it's actually going to work eventually. It's kind of like having that persistence in doing that thing. So like going for a walk and persisting in going for a walk or starting a new like hobby or something like that. As you've got to persist in it to know if it actually works as a coping mechanism. Because sometimes like I've, I've come to the realisation, like I've, I've been in some real dark places with depression and anxiety and, I've said, oh, I can't, just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I'm, it's just easier to snooze the alarm. It's easier to just jump into bed and go to bed early. It's easier to just go eat some junk food or go and have a drink or all them things there. And it's, but actually, like, there is always a way to do it. There was a guy that um, I'm quite good friends with. Um, his name's Ruben Christian. He's an amazing sort of like um, speaker and motivator. And and he does a lot of um, hosting and presenting work. And I worked with him on a on a pilot once, but I met him, any, in the industry anyway, and he um, released this video once and it was talking about uh, the London tube map, right? It's a very stressful tube map, obviously. But just say, for example, your journey to work is like you start and you've got to jump on the Northern Line and you've got to go to London Bridge. It's like, oh, tubes are like on strike today, which they actually, I think they were yesterday, coincidentally. So just say the tubes are on strike, you can't get the tube. It's all right. Oh, um, 
I'll drive to work. Oh, no, I can't drive to work. I've got a flat tyre. All right, fine. I'll cycle to work. Oh, no. Boris said that you can't use the bikes on the road anymore. All right, fine. I'll walk to work. Like, there's always a way to get there, but it just depends on how willing you are to just... And that tenacity and that grit and determination to just keep on going. So you just... All right, cool. I can't go that way. I can't go that way. I can't go that way. But as long as you're going somewhere you've always got purpose and you've always got drive. Whereas if you just go, oh, my car's, my car tire's flat, I'm not going, it's like you're, you're, you're going to be stuck in that same position forever and a day. I love that. It's just perseverance, isn't it? It's yeah. like keeping going, going, going. And it's it's kind of... So like I, I did this morning, I woke up and I put it on my Instagram. I, I felt like shit this morning. I was like, mm. my anxiety is through the roof. And usually I'd sit there on my... You know when you just get... You're in bed and you just sit on your phone. So you wake up, you sit on your phone for like... I don't know, half an hour, an hour. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you just literally scroll, scroll, scroll. And after about 15 minutes, I was like, shit, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing that I tell everybody not to do. It's dangerous, yeah. So, yeah, so I was like, right, I'm going to get up, I'm going to make myself a coffee, I'm going to watch some TV, and then I'm going to start work. And then it's like, it did, it did kind of work, but you know, you're just like, oh, you, you do fall into that trap of advising people like, oh, do this. Yeah. And it's it's so so much easier to tell people like, do this rather than actually yeah. preaching it yourself i think i mean i'm quite i'm 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 quite bad when it comes to advice on like things when when people are like oh i woke up and i'm feeling really shit today because i think where i've had sort of 10 years of in and out of that feeling i've now my one of my coping mechanisms is to just like all right cool you need to fight you need to you need to grab some strength from somewhere within you and you need to get up and get moving and i call it flipping the switch because I feel like in, in, in so many circumstances in your day, you might have an email come through to you that really gets on your nerves and then it throws you off track. All right, cool. Flip the switch. Like, oh, right, this, um, the car's broke down. Right, flip the switch. You can walk. Like, it's, it's like having that, that mentality where it can go like, right, this is really bad, but actually I can make it really good. Um, and there's also then the things, it's interesting you say that about like, like scrolling in bed because it's so easy to just sit there, get your phone out and do that before anything else has happened. Um, in your day, like before you've even brushed your teeth, washed your head, washed your face or any any of that, you, you've gone through about 50 people's lives on Instagram, you've seen a couple videos and then before you know it, you're also 20 minutes delayed for your day. So I've tried to like start switching off from that in the mornings and making sure I get up, get out and, and start do, getting my day started before I even touch social media or anything like that. Um, and it is another thing is like, it's, it's like taking accountability for those things because if you are in a dark place, look at your schedule, like really, really analyze it and really analyze your actions throughout the day and what you get up to. And I guarantee you, you will find some red flags as to what is causing you to feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I can think of some already, <laughs> to, to be honest. It's mad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, just, just you saying that, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> these things that we subconsciously do like it's so easy to just go and scroll on instagram but what i found like i struggle obviously with um like my anxiety when it comes to my work and things like that is the comparison thing i'm always feel like subconsciously i'm comparing myself i'm seeing like another 25 year old out in dubai dri- driving a g-wagon and things like that and then i see another person over there who's just taking his family on holiday and things like that and i'm sitting there and i'm, I'm like i'm comparing to some, some materialistic things some things in terms of success with their work but actually, it's like that isn't helping me on my path. And it's not a race like with anybody else. You're only in competition and racing with yourself. And it's like, so so in that focus, in that 20 minutes that I'm giving to 50 other people's lives who I'm scrolling past on Instagram, I'm, I'm not, or I'm, or I also could be giving that 15 minutes to myself to say, all right, cool, I'm going to get over, um, I'm going to get up, get my shoes on and go for a walk. I'm going to go to the gym 15 minutes early. I'm going to get on my day. I'm going to prep this. I'm going to prep that. And it's like things that you can just easily replace and flip the switch with to just make you feel better. And I think like we, we often just look, we overlook our schedules because they're just, oh yeah, I just I, it's just easy to do. It's easy to scroll on Instagram. It's easy to snooze the the alarm and stuff like that. But just need to have that drive, man. Yeah, I like that because I, I mean, like I said, I can think of loads of stuff already. But it's like I am, um, I, I struggle to flip the switch. I, I so for personally, I sometimes need somebody to do it for me. So if I'm like, yeah. right, I need to go to the gym after work today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish work at half four. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be wearing my gym stuff because otherwise I won't go. I wear my gym stuff there and then um, once I've had a shower, and then my wife goes, Are "You going to the gym?" I'm like, nah, I can't, can't really be asked. You need to go to the gym because otherwise your head's going to be a mess. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. I think sometimes you do need that push from somebody else to be like, look, you know it's good for you, just go and do it. 
Absolutely. And if, you, if you're one of those people, then, like, you need to surround your life with that, man. It's like, like there's a, a another good podcast, um, Stephen Bartlett, The Diary of a CEO, and he had Jay Shetty on, who I've followed for absolutely years. And he, he talks a lot about, in that podcast, about um, accountability and, you know, taking ownership of some of the things that are going wrong in your life and what you can do better and what you can change and, and things to look at. And it's like, if you are one of those people, like it's, it's okay. Like not everybody in the world is the same person. Not everybody can get up and go, right, cool, I'm going to motivate myself to go to the gym. So if you need motivation to do it, whether it be getting a gym partner, whether it be signing up to a PT, whether it be following... Um, like a like usually what I I get on along well with is like ninety day challenges or like if I set myself if I get out a calendar and I'm like right cool from Monday I'm gonna be getting up at five I'm gonna be doing this this and this and I'm gonna be rolling through it and I, and then when you get in the swing of it and you're like twelve days in and th- and day thirteen seems like a real big struggle you're like oh cross it off at least then I finally got like I got there do you know what I mean it's like keeping up any sort of mechanisms that will help you along your journey. And changing that about and taking some accountability, man. Accountability is like, it's like my favorite word at the moment. Like, especially I listen to it on holiday. So then coming off now, I'm like, so motivated. I'm like, yeah, cool. You need to take ownership of this, Ty. <laughs> That's amazing. And with stuff like that as well, like by setting yourself little challenges, you can then look back and be like, oh, wow, I, I did that. I've like, for instance, if, if, if you're doing like a 30 day challenge, you can be like, oh, I've gone for a run like 30 days in a row. How cool is that? How like, what an achievement that is. It's and you feel good. You feel good about yeah. stuff like that. And it, and even with those challenges, it's like I, I sit there and I talk about it because I've for such a long time I've now built up to say, right, cool, I'm going to go gym, I'm going to smash this, I'm going to do that. But just getting out of bed, if I was to consider back to like my my 14 year old self or my 16 year old self or any any other times when I was like 18, really struggling with depression, it's like you getting out of bed is is that that's a win. Like we we do so much on our day to day basis and, and call it as if it's. Um, oh, that's just something I've got to do. But no, it's, it's a win. Getting to work is a win. Even if you wasn't feeling it that day, making sure that you've eaten a meal, um, getting to bed on time, um, saying hello and checking in with that family member that you haven't spoke to in a while. Like that all little wins, but we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. So it's like, if you can look at the little wins and, and, and appreciate them more, when you finally do get a big win, you're like, it feels like euphoric. It feels like the best thing in the world. Yeah, and and the thing is, with with the stuff that you do like that, you get yeah. that, those endorphins, don't you? You get the endorphin rush of right, I'm I'm going for this run, I'm going for this walk, and you don't you feel it. You not only mm-hmm. do you feel it best, better in your mind, you physically feel it as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, exactly. I it hasn't love always that. got to be like some mega gym session. It hasn't got to be like lifting heavy weights. It's the it's the littlest thing sometimes. Like some people turn their nose up at exercise, but I'm like. I, I used to be that kid. I wasn't when I was when I was young, young. I, I was like, don't get me wrong. I was into basketball, but I wasn't into gym. I wasn't into anything like that. But my anxieties, like, and and my the, the things that I went through. I went to gym because I wanted. To, I didn't want to be like a small kid anymore. I wanted to like bulk up a little bit, and I wanted, you know, I had that little bit of motivation within me. And then now it just turned into like the fact that I don't go gym necessarily to try and look a certain way. I also do it like because I know that throughout my day I will have that sense of achievement. I do it first thing in the morning, so then when I go to bed at night, even if I've had the worst day whatsoever, I got up and I went to gym and I made something better for myself, you know? Yeah, that's why I, I go so I can be like, right, I want to go and lift. I'm going to do like a 100-kilogram deadlift or I'm going to do a 100-kilogram back squat. And I'll, I'll go to gym, blah, I'm not going to leave until I do it. And once yeah. I've done, I'm like, tick, done. Yeah. Like, I've achieved something for the day. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. With... Um, so I was, I was looking through like stuff that you've done in the past and you've interviewed some amazing people. So yeah. you've interviewed like Jack Black, Paul Rudd, Rami Malek, like absolute legends. Does that make you anxious? Do you kind of get scared of doing stuff like that? Because that would be like send me over the roof, I think. Absolutely. You know what? That was just like diving in the deep end, man. But like how you're having this conversation with me now is the one thing that I then put at the forefront of my mind. So What's quite good in terms of like putting to rest my anxiety and putting to rest my like my nerves and things like that is to remember of an occasion that you felt okay or remember an occasion that everything panned out okay. So there's some people that I've learned like some techniques as being a presenter. Like I've, I've learned that you can go into an interview with a Hollywood superstar and they could be 
the best it could be like meet your heroes it could be like amazing it could be like my jack black interview where i walked in his energy matched mine and we was there and it was just it was a vibe it was amazing and that then is like an interview that then keeps at the front of my head when then i, ne- I go into my next one and i meet like daniel craig and everybody's like oh no daniel craig's like he's a he's a little bit he's a little bit scary and he's a bit bit dry and this that and the other and like for like that this is behind the scenes talking as an interview and i've I've never met the guy so i'm like oh i'm not gonna judge him like and i go in with this energy and as far as i'm concerned if you don't match my energy you're gonna look like an idiot so you don't want to not do it but it also when the way that I, I i talk to people is just like it's just like this it's just a conversation we're all human beings so no matter you know how famous you are how how you know successful you are like i'm just interested in your story um, and I think that it's important, you know, to keep those those positive. I've had like I've had absolute shockers of interviews where people have come through and said like three words, and they've come through not got the questions, and then they're not happy. They've might have had an argument before they came in, and that's their problem, not my problem. Um, so as long as I'm getting the job done, yeah, it's it's, it's like one of those ones, man. But you just got to remember the good stuff and just keep that at the front of your mind, and then the rest of it just feels like feels a bit blissful. It's, it then becomes exciting when you realize that you can do it. Yeah, and I guess when they, when you look back and you sort of like say oh, I've done that, the self confidence that you must have in going into the next one must be like amazing. So it's like when I'm doing this, I I always build these up in my head because I'm not a speaker. I I started yeah. doing this to improve my speaking. I yeah. my job is writing, so I write like yeah. articles, I write press releases, stuff like that. I started doing really? this just to be more out there, sort of thing, and like tell people about mental health stuff. Um, so like five minutes before coming on speaking to you, I'm always like, shit, what if he don't like me? What if like, what, what if he tells me to piss off? I was like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I in my head. Know, I, I should have came on and been so dry just to prank you. I should have <laughs> just said, well, I don't really want to answer that question, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a real big message in what you've just said though, man. Um, you can, like, it, it, starting something is the most important bit. It's like, for, like so even for me, like, getting into presenting I, I didn't have like I, I was going to all these meetings with my agent and we was like they were like oh yeah you're good but you need experience or yeah you're good but maybe get a couple more things under your belt so then I, I was like I took it up on myself and I started up a YouTube channel I didn't have a lot of money or anything like that finally like worked my ass off at, at McDonald's to save up for a camera got a camera started upgrading my equipment started following YouTube tutorials and things like that to make my content better I started a that, that YouTube channel, and then that gave me content to be able to take to the next person. And even this, like you said, you, you, you're not a speaker. Well, I actually had a podcast, um, and my main aim of starting that podcast was to get into radio for some radio experience because I wanted to have my voice on and not, my, not the camera or not anything like that and just say, all right, this is me and this is how I sound. And then KISS, actually, how it worked in a roundabout way is that I had a... Um, um, I uploaded a photo of myself talking into the mic at a podcast studio. And then one of the producers here at KISS were like, oh, let's get in touch with his agent and get him in for a demo and see what he sounds like. And they listened to the podcast, obviously, and stuff like that. And then I came in and I did the demo and got called back the week after. I got called back the week after that. So I was reaching out to all these radio stations asking, look, please, can I come in for some work experience? And it, like local radio stations as well. And all of them were like, no, nah, no, nah, sorry, we ain't got time, we ain't got space, we ain't got this. And then Kiss come to me and then offered me the evening show after the back of a few demos. And my point is with it is that like you, unless you start, you're never going to know and you have got nothing to lose. Like you have got nothing to lose. Everything's a game. Even if you were to do this whole podcast series, right? And it was to go guest after guest after guest. And it was never, and just say you wanted it to be the number one trending podcast in the world. And it never got that. In that process, you have, influence the lives of so many people that have that have listened to it you have learned so many new skills yourself in terms of being able to talk and improve your own confidence and put together like put put aside that pressure of anxiety that you would have before coming onto a call you're 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 personable your skills have developed in so many different ways so there's like as long as you start something no matter what your problems are in your life like you are doing the right steps to work towards um like combating them yeah, and I feel like I've improved a lot since I started. You know, you're just like, again, looking back and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I, I wasn't that bad, but yeah. I'm a lot better than I am now. Usually I'll be yeah. like, I say like a lot, which you would have probably noticed. <laughs> you know what? Like, there's so, when, it's only when I started working in radio that I realised, like, some of the vocabulary, I need to switch up some of my language because, like, I say, I would always go, yeah, man. 
Go on. No, man. Oh, this is so sick, man. Like, I would always say about it or something like Like, there's little things. And when you're broadcasting to millions of people, like, they pick up on it, man. They pick up. Like, I even said it then. <laughs> it's like, it, it, just goes, it just goes in one ear and out the other. You don't think about it. Um, and communicating is one of those things that if you actually just relax and you just be you, that's like your natural form of conversation. And that's that's the most authentic it will ever get. And that's like, so I had a guest on the other day and they're like, oh, can I swear? And I was like, yeah, say what you fucking want, mate. Yeah, <laughs> go even, for it. I didn't even ask. I'm so sorry, man. That's <laughs> fine. Not the pro. I, I just tick that explicit box and it's all good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Going back to, you you said you had counselling when you were going through like your bad patch and it, but it didn't work. But I think you had counselling for about two years or, or something yeah. like that. Why, why did it not, it sounds a bit like forward, but how come it didn't work for you? Because I've heard like lots of people say that it's, it has worked really well for them and other people have been like, Nah, like like you said, they don't trust the person they're speaking to, and that yeah, they can't. The the other person doesn't connect with them. So, what was your experience? For me, it was like it was at a time where I wasn't. I was so closed off. If, in fact, I tell you what, it did do is that it forced me into a situation where I had to say words. And opening up is something which has this big stigma around it. It's like it's really, really hard to open up if you're not feeling it or if you're not with the comfortable person or if you're not in the right environment. Like you need to, everybody has their sort of different comfort zone. Um, and for me at that age, it just wasn't for me. I, I looked at, it was this, that was just this old guy sitting there with a piece of paper writing down notes in this like moody old room. Um, and they just, I felt like he was looking at the clock. Like anytime that I would like then finally start to open up, he'd be asking me questions. I'd be asking, wait, I feel like he was looking at the clock, waiting for a next client and stuff like that. So you've got to find the right person if you're going to go open up. Um, but for me, it was like, I'm much, I'm, I'm somebody that will deal with the problem. I would try to deal with the problems as much as I can on my own. But what I've learned in that is that it isn't just you, yourself and you. It's not it's not the way forward. Like it's, it actually adds more problems onto you because it feels like an overwhelming pressure. It's all well and good. Like just say, for example, I've got up in my day, work's going great. I've managed to like, like have some healthy food. I've managed to get up. But if something messes up in my day and I've got all that pressure on myself trying to deal with it myself, it feels like all the plates that I'm spinning all of a sudden crash down. So at that age, it just, it didn't work for me for those reasons that I didn't really trust the person. I didn't really um, connect. I, I couldn't feel comfortable enough to open up. But what I now do have is like, I go to therapy every week now. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. Like I, I have my sort of flaws now. I have my previous baggage of the things that I've been through that I've spoke about. Um, and it, and sometimes it's just a check-in to like, to, to like just refo- like I call it like, um, you know, when you like just tweak, you just want to like do a couple bits of tweaking here and there. Like sometimes you might have had a really stressful few days, you go to your therapist and then you just offload. And and then also you, you talk about coping mechanisms, you talk about ways that you can like some things. And, and then also talking to people nine times out of 10, they will say something that makes you realize or you will say something that makes you realize actually everything's going to be OK. Or like, you know, that, that went good for you this week. If you can't see something that went good, like if you're like, oh, everything's gone gone to shit, it's all gone bad. And then somebody comes through and you have a conversation with them and they actually mention something that gets you thinking and you're like, oh, well, actually, yeah, that went well for me. Oh, you're right, I did get up on time today. There's It's the little things. Um, so it didn't work for me back then because I was at a young age. I think f- more for me, like if anybody's listening in right now and they're like, oh, my teenager, um, I'm, or I'm a teenager or... My, my my son or daughter, like they just won't open up and everything like that. I think at that age, for me, what worked more was me getting involved in sport or me getting involved in some form of something, to, like an escapism, something, whether it's movies, whether it's um, YouTube or whether it's something to take me away from the pressures that were on my head because at that age, you can't comprehend how to communicate properly and I can't communicate. It's still, I'm 25 now and I struggle to communicate and convey my emotions. Like, so at 14 or like growing up throughout childhood, because mental health wasn't always spoke about like that, how do we deal with it? You know, how do you deal with it from a young age? And I think schools are getting better at it now. But even now, I like, I, I appreciate a therapist more now than I did way back then, man. I think as well that you have to learn to communicate properly and learn to use your emotions properly. And at that sort of age, you don't, you, you're still developing. You're, st- you're still a kid, aren't you? So you've still got a lot of life experiences to go through and body changes to go through, stuff like that. 
And I think that communication and emotion, like it's stuff that you learn. You don't just inherit it. You have to like go through those experiences and just have those life experiences. And I think with with therapy, I I, I started seeing a therapist quite a few years ago, yeah. and it's funny like you going oh they made you feel uncomfortable so just like shuffle the papers and be clock watching and stuff like that my therapist the first one I saw I used to go into the room and I'd sit in the chair and I'd always be on the edge because I was taught because basically had these chairs and they used to sit right back like this and I I always sat on the edge because I "I don't want to sit back because I don't really know him that well but he always used to comment on oh you're sitting on the edge like you must are you feeling anxious and I'm like yeah, it's like everyone gets so what? analytical sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. but sometimes you just want that voice that you can talk to that doesn't is, is unbiased, doesn't know your personal life, doesn't know that person that you're bitching about. And then also like you're you're in a situation where you can just offload and then and and that that's what they're there for. Um but it's interesting you mentioned like sort of uh hand like you using those emotions and knowing how to control those emotions because what I've learned throughout my journey and my mental health journey is that sometimes your emotions can work as your tackling fuel to get you to where you want to be. So as much as I can look back and say, oh, the murder really hurt me or oh, that stuff that I went through when I was like, you know, lo- struggling with grief and, you know, having a breakup in the family and stuff like, like as much as that all really hurt me, I wouldn't be here today. I'm doing the things that I'm doing or be the character that I am. If those situations there, if I wasn't able to use that and then funnel it into like my tackling fuel to get me to where I am. And let me tell you that it's like, it's almost like when you go for a breakup or you go through losing someone or you, you've been in like a really dark place. There is, if you can unlock it, there is a, there is like a, a, a force and energy to take you to wherever you want to be in this world, whether it be like you want to smash it with work, whether you want a next level motivation to be able to be the most successful businessman, whatever you want to do, if you can access that, you are very, very powerful, beyond your own belief. What is the happiest place that you've ever been in? The happiest place that I've ever been in? Um... So there's two, I've got two answers for it, right? Because one is not relatable at all. Um, but the other one is relatable. So let me start with the relatable one first to give a bit of context here. So my um, my nana was like my close... She was like my rock. She was like... I was like the favourite grandchild, I'd say. Um, if my cousins or my brother are listening in right now, I'll be getting cussed. But I was like the favourite grandchild. And my nan was... She was such an incredible human being. Like she's she's instilled upon me like so many sort of characteristics that I never even knew that she did like she would be the one person to like there could be all these evil people in the world there could be so many people that have done her wrong and things like that but she would always find like one good bone in their body and give so much love like it was just always love 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 and laugh 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 and she was such that that sort of character that you could just you'd get a hug off her and you'd feel immediately better and that was my nan so one of my like happiest like sort of places I've ever been was like, it's, it's just like waking up at hers on Christmas morning. Like we would sleep on her living room floor, wake up and then surprisingly Santa would come and stuff like that. They're like my sort of school memories. And then when I was, uh, when was it? It was 20, was it 2016? Nana passed away. Um, and she, and that broke me. And what she actually said, like before she passed, we, we sold her bungalow Um and she was like, look, what? I don't care. What, look, clear, help yourselves out with the money. Clear your debts and things like that. And But one thing I want you to do as a family is go away and just treat yourselves and just go away on a holiday because you've never, you would never really travel. Like all my holidays as a kid were going down to my nan's in, um, in Broadstairs and going there for the six weeks holiday. So everybody would be flying away to here, there and everywhere. Oh, we're going to Spain, we're going this. I never had any of that. And we would just go down and stay at nan's for like the whole summer. And that was like the best thing ever. So then Nan was like, yeah, go on a go on a holiday and just go treat yourself. So we went to, with the money from the house, we've never been able to afford like an all-inclusive holiday. So we went away to um, Dominican Republic and I had like the best experience there. I took my bro- um, one of my best mates, Sam, out there with me and, and we went with my mum, my auntie and stuff, and my cousin. And then um, we was out there and there was this one place in Dominican Republic called Siona Island and it was something that took, I was ne- I've never been one for nature, never been one for the sea, never been one for any of that. And then we were sat on this on this beach, 
and it was like a really remote island and it was just like relaxing you could just hear the waves and you could you could see all of that and that sparked like my my travel like love like my love for travel but it was that place there and then also where I then like sitting there re- relaxing in that moment that I then also thought about my nans when I was younger and how happy those places made me so was that one of the biggest lessons man like if you know that you've got a happy place you need to just get as much in your life that will that will take you there you know because no matter where I go now, even if it's like some luxury beach somewhere or even if it's just like some forest or anything like that, just going for a walk in the countryside, like it takes me back to that moment of relaxation when I was a kid, like sleeping on my nan's floor, basically. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's really nice. That's really nice. Mm. I like, so you, it's like you've gone on a holiday that that your yeah. nan's helps give you. And then, yeah, yeah, I love that. That's amazing. That's my favourite one so far. Where's your, where's your happy place? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> like all, these, all these questions eh? yeah <laughs> i would so i would say trying to think so i i went to i was not so basically i was nine my ninth birthday i had in orlando in florida my parents took me my little sister and my granddad um to stay in it's, it's, it's like a really basic hotel in florida and we did yeah. all the theme parks but I really remember that holiday purely because my granddad was there and that was the last time I went on holiday with him. Um, and he he stayed in his room and I remember just going into his room like every day, like, oh, granddad, uh, let's go and do, let's go into the pool blah, blah, and all that. And I'd yeah. say that's my happiest moment because it's like, I mean, my, my granddad's still alive now, but he's, he's in like, he's late 80s and like he hasn't been on holiday for years. But I just remember mm-hmm. that he was in his sort of like late 60s and like we were like me and my sister were little kids and it's just so nice yeah. just having there on holiday with us and oh, it was a great amazing. holiday is it, yeah. that was probably my my favorite of a holiday just because it was like and it's the, you know what it's the way people listening into this won't be able to see it but the way that your face lights up when you talk about it you can genuinely feel that you know yeah yeah i, I didn't even think of that i was like oh shit you can see me yeah. <laughs> 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 but no, I've that's nobody's asked me the question back here, so that's oh, yeah. thanks, man. <laughs> no, you're welcome, bro. But like, <laughs> it, it, there's also even a lesson in that of what we just spoke about is that like, even with those people in your life that bring you happiness or those those moments and memories, is like you don't know when it's going to be your last, and you need to cherish that like time and time again. So when you have that interaction at work, that's really fun. Like live it to its full extent. Like when you have that hug with that person that you love, make sure it's the best one ever. When you like want to just talk to a stranger in a day and compliment them, like like make make sure that you made a day. You never know what's going to happen in life or what's just around the corner. Um, and I think like wherever you leave your mark or wherever, like it's almost like leaving that lasting impression. Make sure every time it's like you're trying to be, make it the best time ever. Like when my mum phones me, I try and make it the best phone call ever. Like now I've, I've moved out and that's a, we, we phone all the time. Um, and I try and make sure that, yeah, that's a really good phone call. So that mum's last phone call with me, like no matter, not getting deep and everything like that, but I mean, it's like there's always, you're always looking for that positive nature. Yeah, I, I do the same with my granddad as well. Whenever I'm on the phone, he phones me now, which is really weird. You know, he's just like, I always ring his home phone and basically he's, he's got a new mobile now and he rings me on his mobile. I'm like, granddad, don't ring me. You're wasting your credit because he actually has credit. He yeah, tops out uh, with credit. And I'm like, don't don't ring me. I'll ring you. Like, literally just text me and be like, call me and I'll call him yeah. back. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he's so funny. Like, he, he rings me and I'm like, granddad, I'll call you back. Just don't waste your credit on me. But um, yeah, I, I, have, I have exactly the same thing where Whenever I speak to him, I always make sure he's okay. Make sure, like, if he needs any help or anything, I always go. Oh, I'm going to come down and see you soon because he, he lives in Kent. Um, yeah. I need to go and see him. I haven't seen him yeah. since there you like, go. Christmas. There's your reminder, so. man. See, this yeah, this yeah. chat's called the reminder. It's, it's like tweaking tweaking your schedule. <laughs> right, so I'm going to move into the quickfire round, which is mm-hmm. the final thing. So, cats or dogs? dogs and i tell you what yeah like I've, <laughs> I've never been a cat person my nan had a cat i was allergic to it my auntie had a cat i was allergic to that and then when we was in gambia last week we're sitting around this pool and it sounds really bougie but like it was just it was just the hotel that we was at and it was sitting around this pool and they, they had a lot of stray animals like that come up off the beach so there's like dogs and cats and stuff and this cat's come up um 
and it's like a cute, the cutest kitten I've ever seen in my life. And everybody's watching it walk around the pool and we're like, oh, and it starts coming over to me while I'm sitting there sunbathing. I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm, this might be the time I become a cat person. It walks over to me and I'm like, oh, hello, and stuff like that. Start stroking this cat. And then before you, and everybody around, it was quite a quiet pool. Everybody can see me stroking it. They're like, oh, look how adorable that is. All of a sudden, this cat spreads its legs and just wheeze all over my flip-flops that were sat next to me. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and, then, and then it just waltzes off, yeah? So I was like, now I hate cats even more. But then, even then, after that, um, the Gambian people, they, they speak in their language. Um, what, one of the most common languages is Madinka. And they were saying, I can't pronounce it, obviously, because I don't speak the language, but they were, they were basically calling me Cat Piss Boy for the remainder of the holiday. And I, I didn't know, innit? so I was walking around and everybody's going, oh, oh that's amazing. You're, oh, you're Cat Piss Boy. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, what's going on? That's me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not knowing what they were meaning. Uh, so, yeah, that was me. The people of Gambia know me as Cat Piss Boy. But, yeah, on with a quick fire round. That is not quick fire. Um, dogs, all through and through. I feel like that needs to be the episode name, Cat Piss Boy. <laughs> Luke, please do not. Do not, mate. I'll report you. I'll report episode five. Me. Episode five, yeah. series four, Cat Piss Boy. Not Tyler. AKA Tyler West. <laughs> oh, my days. Imagine. Oh, it's a funny story. That's amazing. I love that. Um, <laughs> summer or winter? Summer. Love the sun. Talking or texting? I prefer talking. Because text can be uh, like misread, so yeah, you can't show emotion either, can you? Just, yeah, no, exactly. And sometimes I hit like I've got big fun, so I hit the wrong emojis. So like I might be sending a really deep text with like a crying face, and then actually I put like a like a little horny devil in there to spice it up, and it's like yeah, that's that's it's not appropriate. Like. <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this one already, but beach holiday or city break? Beach, hundred percent, hundred percent. A good book or a good film. You know, I've only I've only started reading recently, which I would highly recommend to anyone in terms of zoning out. If you've never read before, give it a go and just find the right books. For me, it's like motivational and self-help books, which are really good. Um, but films all the way through. I, I could sit in the cinema and do back-to-back movies, like probably like three in a row. I would, I would not. Honestly, I love it. It's my favourite place. What's your favourite film? Oh, mate. What's coming? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um... Hacksaw Ridge is an amazing film. It's like a war film. Um, there's, I like action films. I like that, like the Fast and Furious sagas. I like, um, oh, this is just like it's like an impossible question, mate. I could so I can answer Step Brothers. I can answer it straight away. Go on. I can Space Jam. Space Jam, sick. Space Jam is great. <laughs> Space Jam Two. Let's not talk about that. Let's carry on mm, moving. Right? It's 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 all right. It's all right. Average. Yeah. You can, yeah. Can't replace Michael Jordan. Uh, Ed Sheeran or Bruno Mars. Oh, it's got to be Ed Sheeran, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Love it. Love it. Um, or, and then last one is vinyl or cassette. Vinyl. Vinyl all day. Even though I don't actually have a vinyl collection, I appreciate every single DJ that does, but I kind of feel like I missed the boat with that one. I might start it one day, but I just need a bit more space in my flat. Um, but I, like, obviously, I love DJing and that, and I'd love to learn how to like mix on vinyl and just play loads of, loads of, loads of the greats. So yeah, probably vinyl, man. Let me know when you get a vinyl player, and I'll get you a um, Ed Sheeran one. <laughs> Thank you, man, and I'll uh, I'll get you the <laughs> album, yeah, on cassette, and I'll send that to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that is that's the end of the interview mate so thank you so so much I, I, i've got so much out of this chat like yeah. i feel like it's been a bit of a therapy session for me because uh-huh. you've you, you've 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 kind of you're, you're such a good storyteller and i think the way that you tell things like is is really inspirational so i think well, from man. that from that respect you would have helped so many people so thank you so much for coming on mate i really appreciate oh, it thank you man like honestly it's been enlightening and i love the work that you're doing with the podcast and it's I think there's so many messages that we've sort of touched upon. Like, it's hard to put it in an hour, um, but there's so many messages that we've touched upon even in just talking. And as much as you're saying it's a therapy session for you, it also is for me because you've got to remember, like, as much as I talk for a living, it's, like, not always about the things that you've mentioned on this podcast or, like, asked me about on this podcast. So, yeah, it's a breath of fresh air, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wicked. Thank you so much, Tyler. And, I'll yeah, keep in touch and I'll speak to you soon. Defo. Nice one, bro. Cheers, mate. Speak to you soon. See you later, mate. Take Cheers, care. bye.
I'll say it again. I said it at the start. I'm saying it at the end. Favourite ever podcast guest. Like, honestly, what a story Tyler had. And can't thank him enough for coming on the stress sessions. I genuinely love chatting to him. I've just edited um, the podcast after speaking to him literally last week. And I'm buzzing again. Like, just listening to kind of the way he thinks and the the way he's got past some of the stuff that he's experienced in his life is just really inspiring, to be honest. Um, and yeah, amazing podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. I am not a professional. You'll know that already. And the stuff that I speak about on the stress sessions is completely my opinion and the opinions of my guests. So if you are suffering with a mental illness and you do think you need to get some help, then please, please visit the link in my podcast notes of this episode or any episode of the stress sessions and it will take you to a web page with lots and lots of helpful charities where you'll be able to get the help that you need so yeah definitely do that and just as a little reminder i'd really really appreciate it if you can like share comment on anything on social media link to the stress sessions and leave me a review for the stress sessions podcast said it last week not sure if anybody's left me a review i've not checked yet but if you haven't, please get on that. Give me those five stars. Help me get up the charts and, yeah, keep spreading the message because everybody, most people suffer with a mental illness in their lifetime. So, fingers crossed, I'll be able to help a few people with these podcasts. I haven't done this before, but I think it's a good idea to do it now because, again, it's a very good one, a good record. Next week on the Stress Sessions... I'm going to be speaking to none other than the Corden sisters, Ruth and Ange, sisters of the legendary James Corden. And they have got their own podcast. So, yeah, they're they're pretty good. But some of the stuff that we talk about is both funny and very inspiring. So definitely, definitely tune into that one. And, yeah, I can't wait for you to listen to it. Have a lovely week and I'll speak to you soon.